Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. Artistic and Dramatic. The Enneagram Type 4, or the Individualist, is unique and proud of it. The Romantic expertly expresses emotions through words, music, and art, though their pervasive melancholy may lead to melodrama and self-loathing. In this episode, we take a deep dive into the Enneagram Type 4. We'll look at what motivates them, how they respond to situations, and how to interact with a four, whether you are coworkers, friends, or romantic. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? I have been dealing with database optimization stuff, specifically like indices on a very large table. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, we can optimize this way and you know, these things. And then it got to a point where I'm like, I really need to know about the data structure of an index to make this decision. So when you get to that point, it's like, all right, I'd probably need to do a different strategy because I'm not supposed to know about that. You know, like that, that should be a layer of abstraction below where I am. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's been interesting just trying to figure out how we're going to prove that we didn't break anything because it's the characteristics of it when it's under load, which it isn't right now, but it will be about Easter. And then also to prove that we didn't make performance worse on some other large processes that are putting a lot of data into the system. So we've got really heavy reads most of the time. Sometimes we have really heavy writes and sometimes we have bulk inserts. And so dealing with all three of those and trying to come up with what that looks like to actually test that and prove that we fixed something was not particularly easy. Put it that way. So um, I have had some interesting learnings as far as how uh, indices work in SQL Server um, a little bit more. There's some stuff I just didn't really think through, like I'd used it, but I hadn't thought about how it actually worked. So it's, it's been good, but uh, been a little bit tough and there's been a lot of waiting. And you know how wonderfully patient I am with waiting. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, not exactly known for that. Uh, <laughs> so how about you? All right. Well, I have had some uh, growing pains, upgrading pains probably the better way of putting it. So for my birthday slash Christmas, Will gave me a new SSD for my laptop because we had some issues. Uh, was it last week with mine being full? And so we we're like, all right, because it's a 128 SSD um, for the main drive and then like a terabyte of hard disk. And so he has this sent to me. I had to order a transfer cable because I couldn't find mine. And so I get everything transferred. I'm ready. I crack open my laptop. Of course, I almost break the daggum thing because there's a hidden screw. But uh, get that taken care of. Get the laptop open. And I'm like, all right, well, there's a terabyte hard disk drive. Where's the other two and a half flash drive or uh, SSD? There wasn't one. It was an M.2. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I, I went ahead and replaced 
the hard disk drive with the flash drive or the flash drive, the um, SSD that uh, Will gave me. And I told him about it. He's like, dude, just go ahead and order one. Let the podcast pay for it so that we don't have any of these problems again. Yeah. So I was like, all right, so they're not too expensive. Um, I've just been lazy and not, <laughs> not gotten around to doing it. <laughs> so I did. One, I want to know what special person thought it was wise to name the keys for an M.2 M and B. You also have a BM, but we're not going there. <laughs> That's for the number two draft. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that got me because it doesn't say anywhere in the specs on my laptop what it is. I saw M.2 2280. I was like, all right, yeah, I got that. Came in. And thankfully, I also ordered this enclosure for transferring. And I was like, all right, well, I'll keep the, the 128. It's still a good drive. And I'll just use that enclosure. As sort of a backup or something. I don't know. I'll find a use for it. And it didn't fit in the enclosure to do the transfer. Like, what's wrong? Why is this not fitting? That's when I realized there's different sizes for the keys fitting in there. Obviously, guys, I am not a hardware person. I mean, I've played around with Raspberry Pi type stuff, but I haven't built a computer or done anything with hardware since we built the one for you in college. Yeah, I usually go as far as those kind of components. I'll look at what model computer people have and go to crucial.com. Mm-hmm. And so they'll have all the, you know, they'll have the memory, they'll have the the hard drives and all that kind of stuff. And I can figure out what will fit. And that's what I did with yours. And I got one that fit for the second drive. I just screwed up and was like, I don't think he's got one of these. And I just went on down past it, probably looking at it going, oh, that looks like RAM, you know, to be honest, because it kind of does. I, I did that too because I got a crucial drive. Yeah. It's just the newer version of my laptop has the M key. The version I have has the BM key. Yeah. But you got a new one coming in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, thankfully, I bought it through Amazon. So they, they take the return. I've got to take it back uh, tomorrow. Um, and then there's another one will be in tomorrow. So I'll get that transferred and I'll have a new terabyte uh main drive so i'll actually have two terabytes in here which will be kind of nice because we've almost got a terabyte of just podcasting data and that's from episode 157 on because i don't have before that because will's got those backed up yeah and at some point we'll move those over to where you can we almost have two terabytes of i have 16 terabytes of storage here so yeah, we're good for a while. Listen to uh, some Amy Winehouse to get motivated for this episode. So I'm going through and I'm like writing the episode. I'm getting like I'm getting into like the okay, who is the four? And I'm like that kind of reminds me of Amy Winehouse. And then I get to the part in the book that has like the list of famous people of this type. And guess who number one was Amy Winehouse? There you go. So threw on some Amy Winehouse and like. The whole process got a lot easier after that. I just had to skip all the songs where she was featured. I like her music, but I don't like the rap music that features her. Fair enough. It's just yeah. not my style. And so I kind of enjoyed that. want to give a shout out and a welcome to our new patron, Mark. He is supporting us on Patreon. And we want to say thank you, Mark. We really appreciate your support. 
Enneagram Type 4s are unique, and so is your financial situation. Lucas Casares is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado, and he is well-prepared to help you in your unique financial situation. Just like CDP, he focuses on helping you not only establish a real plan, but also to take action so that you can live your best life. Now, investing in financial planning services comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances with the help of Lucas and Level Up. The compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey, so it's not too early to get started today. You can find some fun free resources and learn more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. The Enneagram of Personality, or just the Enneagram, is a representation of personalities using a geometric figure, also helpfully called an Enneagram, this time with a little e, to express nine interconnected personality types. While each type is unique, it is related to other types through the circle connecting the type to each of its wings and the lines or arrows in the center connecting the type to the ones it imitates in times of stress or growth. The Enneagram is used in business management training to better understand interpersonal dynamics in the workplace. If you go back and look at the show notes for our introduction to the Enneagram, you'll see that geometric figure and understand what we're talking about here. So we have been talking about uh, types twos and threes already, and types two, three, and four constitute the heart triad. This triad is primarily motivated by their feelings. Those in the heart triad do not believe they are worthy of love, so they take on personas to attain this. Because of that, they are more image conscious than the other triads. Now, within the triad, the fours are the most introspective. They focus internally on their own feelings, but have difficulty relating to and understanding the feelings of others sometimes. At their best, fours are inspired, immensely creative, expressing themselves and the world they see. And their creativity enables them to turn their experience into value for others. They have superior emotional range and are able to avoid acting on every feeling that they have. They know that they don't have to be something special to win approval from others. And this is where Beach kind of ends up when he's in a healthy headspace. Now, contrasting that, at their worst, fours become self-destructive, hopeless, and filled with hatred for themselves. They're constantly comparing themselves to others, and they find themselves lacking all the time. Morbid thoughts permeate their minds as their dreams fail and they fall into self-contempt. Full of shame, they put a wedge between themselves and anyone trying to help them. Depression drives them to alienate themselves from others. And just like I go to the healthy version of four when I'm healthy, Will goes to the unhealthy version of four when he is unhealthy. So this is going to be an interesting episode. Yeah, there's uh, definitely some dynamics that make more sense now looking at it from that perspective, particularly late college dynamics. (laughs) Yes, because <laughs> I was not in a good place senior year, for sure. This wraps up the heart or feelings triad, and this month we'll be looking at the fours who can feel too deeply and focus on their own emotions. As with the previous episodes, we'll take a balanced approach, diving into both the positive and negative traits of the individualist. 
We'll start with a discussion of the main characteristics of the four and then look at the related types through their wings and arrows. Finally, we'll close out the discussion with interactions with fours at work, in friendships, and in relationships. The Enneagram Type 4 is the individualist or the romantic. And we're going to use these terms interchangeably throughout the episode like we have in the previous episodes. Now, fours are called the individualist because they see themselves as fundamentally different from everyone else, even other fours. Now, they're called the romantic as well because of their wistfulness and longing to be authentic. The individualist's drive to be unique strives from a sense that something is missing from them. They don't know what it is or where it's gone, but that lack makes them feel different. The only way they see to compensate for what is missing in their lives is to create something that distinguishes them from others. They see themselves as having something missing, like something in their soul, some piece of them is not there. They don't know where it went. They don't know what happened to it. Sometimes they don't even know what it is that's missing from them. But they see being unique and different as a way to make up for what's missing. The thing is, and we'll talk about this further on in the episode, they don't see other people as missing something. So they feel like they are lacking something inside of them that everyone else has. And the other people have it intuitively and built in, not something that they have to grow. Yeah. Because I can think of one person in my personal life that I'm pretty sure is a four based on the descriptions here. And yeah, you know, they deal with others around them that are not. And some of the exasperation that happens because this person is very creative, very artistic, but they do have that tendency where they feel like they're broken in some way or not broken, but like not yeah. correct. They apologize all the time and look for justification. So yeah, it definitely makes sense. Now for the romantic, being authentic is everything. Now for them, the only way to fill that void in their life is to be truly unique, which leads to an almost obsession with authenticity. Because they feel they're so different, fours think that no one can love them or even understand them. They see themselves as both uniquely talented with special gifts and uniquely damaged or flawed in some way. They often have trouble with a lack of self-esteem and maintain a negative image of themselves. Now, you may not see this negative image at the outset, but the more you get to know them, the more you will notice it. And the closer you become with them, the more they will emphasize their self-loathing. They can be a bit dramatic. <laughs> we'll talk more about that in, uh, in just a bit. Fours have a unique ability to understand and express deep emotions. This is their superpower. It's what makes them so artistic. They can take on these deep emotions and not only make you understand what they're feeling, but they have this uncanny ability to make others feel those deep emotions as well. Think about great musicians. Like I mentioned Amy Winehouse, Bob Dylan was on there, Shakespeare, yeah. you know, playwrights, uh, Vincent Van Gogh, that level of artistic drawing you in. I forget what I was listening to the other day, but the vocals were okay, but the music behind it, yeah the orchestral music behind it, that's where I felt the emotion. And I was like, this must have been composed by a four because they're really drawing me into it. Yeah, and speaking of being drawn into stuff, uh, we have a quote here from Victor Hugo. 
melancholy is the happiness of being sad. While fours are prone to melancholy, it shouldn't be mistaken for depression. They see something bittersweet in pining away after someone or some quality they wish they could attain. Yeah, so they kind of enjoy it, which is interesting because at some of my healthiest times, I can get a bit melancholy, especially around relationships. But that's also where I write my best poetry. I probably would do some of my best music in that time. I you know, haven't been through one of those since I've been playing music that much, but uh yeah, well, I probably mean, writing code too, honestly. That is when I am. Because. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is when I am my most creative is like just a little melancholy. I kind of have to be in the mood for it. I remember thinking that in like high school and college when I wrote most of the poetry that I've written, I would just be like, all right, I've got to be in the mood for it. So I'd have to get into that zone to write it. And I've learned different ways, like listening to things, watching shows, like certain things just help me get into that zone. Which makes sense because we're going to talk about kind of how the fours do that in just a little bit. On this note, romantics have deep, thriving imaginations and fantasy lives. When used properly, this depth leads to amazing works of art, music, and fiction. We've already kind of talked about some of that. However, if they're not careful, the four can find themselves hiding away from the world, pining for their fantasy life, or fantasizing about their past. That kind of fits with how I am when I'm in a negative state. Yeah. And so that resonates pretty deeply there. Fours are their feelings. Their emotions form the core of who they are. Fours are not satisfied with the standard range of emotions. They want those emotions to excess. They don't just feel them intensely, but they actively seek to intensify the emotions they're feeling. A romantic in a good mood wants to feel ecstatic, whereas when down, they want to absolutely wallow in it. And when they're ecstatic, they want to bring in all their friends. I'm this way. Right. <laughs> when I'm happy, when I'm wanting to celebrate, I want everyone to feel this awesome, this amazing. Like, I want to bring people in and I want just like the big party, all this stuff. But when fours are down, and I have that side of it, <laughs> they. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, oh, I'm feeling down. I want to go watch a movie to cheer me up. It's, I want to go watch a sad movie to bring me even further down to like just really revel in this. Yeah. Feeling. It's like I'm going to go sit around and read Russian literature and eat wet cigarettes in the dark or something. You know, it's like the bottom of you know, it's, it's not a good place. It's not a happy. That does sound like something you would do when you were in a bad mood, sans the cigarettes. Because that, that's unhealthy. <laughs> the rest of it's fine, right? <laughs> a romantic's mood is always changing. They don't so much have mood swings as mood merry-go-rounds. Uh, they quickly change from one mood to another, yet if it goes on too much, they can become overwhelmed and not know which feelings to talk about first. And while I don't have this one, and I don't think you really do, there's somebody I'm thinking of that's a, I'm pretty sure is a four, definitely does it is a quick change but it is just like this flow it's interesting if you've ever seen it because they'll go from one to another to another to another and it can be overwhelming yeah because if you're not like that you can't center on anything that they're saying you're just like you know there's a pile of emotion bubbling out here and i've got to deal with it and i don't know what i'm going to be dealing with 
in the next sentence. Even if you are the person, it can be overwhelming because most of us have had those times where we've felt mixed emotions about something. The thing is with the four, they may have mixed emotions. They may be excited and sad at the same time or something like that. And they want to experience both of those to the extreme. Yeah. And concurrently, um, as children, the individualists felt as though they were misunderstood by their parents, friends, and siblings. They heard the message that there was something off about them or that they didn't fit in or that they would never belong. So in the, the book, The Road Back to You, he talks about how the fours are the teenagers of the Enneagram. The misunderstood, the kind of melancholy, mild obsession with death darkness that kind of thing it's like we all went through that some of us never came out of it eh. <laughs> when they were young something came across to them and and we talk about this in each of these like the the message they received as a child it's not that someone came up to them and explicitly said there is something off about you now i personally did receive that quite often as a child but i um, mean i was bullied a lot yeah, when i was younger here. so <laughs> and i had interests that didn't match the other kids that said somewhere along the line the four internalized that message and that's where they get that there's something wrong with me there's something missing they know like they sense that they are not like others they feel that deep within them so they try to find their place by emphasizing their differences their uniqueness they try to find their place amongst the crowd by being different from the crowd. However, a lot of times this backfires as they end up ostracizing themselves from the group that they're trying to, to belong. For example, one of the healthier times in my childhood, I guess was around like sixth grade because I just gave up on trying to have friends at school. Yep. That was the time where I made a few friends in the neighborhood we were traveling a lot. Uh, my dad was doing a lot of speaking at different churches. And so I would make friends at all these different churches we'd go to. And so I had this like plethora of friends and being the outgoing extrovert that I am, meeting new people really puts me in a good mood. Just like, like, just like not meeting new people makes, makes me feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't get the stranger danger thing. I get the, Ooh, stranger, someone I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was getting all of that around this time in my life. And so all the negative that I had at school, I was in a healthier place. I was able to deal with it better at this point. And this was like pre like the emotional roller coaster of puberty. So I hadn't like hit that point yet either. So at that point, I just stopped caring about what they thought of me at school. And I was like, you know what? Cause I was in my healthy place. I was going to a four. I'm like, they all think I am some kind of alien. I'll just tell them that I am. So I made up an alien language and told them that I was an alien. And I kept that farce up for way too long. <laughs> Sometimes you got to mess with people. That's different. <laughs> I don't know what to say on that one. <laughs> let that one slide. The more melancholy romantic craves to belong and for people to get them. This desire will lead them to join any group that will accept them and their eccentricities. Now, I had to do a psychological survey a couple of different points when I was in school. It was kind of part of the whole gifted thing, and they wanted to see like how you fit in. 
And I got called in to talk to a guidance counselor and a couple other people on more than one occasion because I marked or wrote down that I didn't think anybody around me understood me. Looking back on it, I really don't think they did. Like, I think that was a truthful statement, but they're like, oh, that's negative. And it's like, no, you just, we're just not the same. I also remember, I don't remember, it was around this time in my life, like the time that I told that story, or if it was when I finally got to leave the private school I was going to and go to public school where my friends went to school. And like, I got perfect attendance for the first time in my life the year I moved to public school. Only reason I didn't the years after that was because I actually literally got sick. (laughs) I think I had the flu or something or something like that. But, you know, I say that to say, I remember saying something to my parents about, you know, I'm just, I think it was back in sixth grade because I was like saying, I'm just different. And I was like proud of the fact that I was different. And I was like, you know, I am not like them. You know, I'm different. You know, I'm not mean to people. And, oh, that did not go over well in my house. I got told, no, you are just like everybody else and all this. And like, they thought I was, I'm like, no, I wanted to be different. They didn't get me. No, they didn't get that. I wanted to be different. Well, and that thing of looking to join a group that will accept them, that's also familiar. Um, Because you and I have got, some circles of friends that like we look back on and we're like, I never really should have been in that group of people. I never got their mindset, but it was a group of people that were willing to have me around. And Mm -hmm. yeah, especially during the more melancholic periods. Yeah. For you, for me, for you was during the upside (laughs) more eccentric. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, it's it's kind of funny, but yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Now, not feeling connected. Fours view the present as unbearable and the future is filled with anxiety. So they have a tendency to fall into their own fantasy worlds of what if or a fantasized version of their past. And this is a good good place to get into kind of what motivates them, their desires and their fears. The basic desire for the four is to create an identity or find themselves and that missing piece. They're motivated to express their individuality through creativity. A lot of fours are artists and musicians, but they might not be through art or music. It might be through other creative venues. Creativity is all over the place. That's one of the things I love about the creative group I'm in. It's this attitude of you don't have to be artistic or musically inclined to be creative. Now, back to fours, while they may seem sad, their melancholy finds beauty in that sadness. They will find ways to maintain the moods and feelings that they prefer. Like I I was talking about how I found ways to get into the moods to write and to do other things. And I just do that when I'm healthy. Fours, that is who they are. They just intrinsically know how to get into the mood they want and what to surround themselves with to maintain that. Though they may withdraw into themselves to protect their own self-image when they're feeling very unhealthy. The romantics will address their emotional needs before anything else. So whereas the twos, like me, we're outwardly focused. We're looking at how does the other person feel? What is their emotional needs? Satisfying that And the three is like, what are emotions again? The four is looking inward and they're going to take care of themselves first before they do anything else. 
the individualist's fear is that they'll have no personal significance or identity. They live with a sense of shame that something is missing from their lives, uh, whether it's willpower, self-confidence, or emotional peace. They're not really sure. But it's one of those things, usually. Strangely, their uniqueness doesn't come from a desire to be separate from everybody else. They don't want to stand above the crowd like the three does. They don't want to stand apart from the crowd. It's actually a desire to connect with others because they see others as not lacking whatever it is that they're missing. So they feel inferior to them and they're trying to connect by being different. So I guess now it's time to get into some examples of you know healthy, average, and unhealthy fours. Look at these when you see them and start kind of looking at the people around you because some of these will start really jumping out at you and that's pretty likely to be a four. Uh, when I read through this list, I was like, ooh, I know who that is. Ooh, I know who that is. <laughs> you know, and it really yeah. pops when you uh, listen to it. So a healthy four, a healthy individualist are very personal, introspective, and true to themselves. They are closely attuned to the world around them, not only seeing the beauty in it, but being able to express it for others to see, hear, and feel. And taste and smell if you're a chef. See, there's more ways to be creative than just art and music. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've known some people that were really good cooks. You know, looking back, I'm like, they kind of fit that mold. And it was very, like their cooking was, I, I won't say that it was uh, emotionally driven so much as it was very artistic. Like they didn't have recipes other than here's how long to cook this. And that's just kind of how they rolled with it. And they knew how to paint the palette. Yeah, I know people like that. The romantic is aware of their feelings and impulses, knowing how and when to act on them. They have a vast emotional range, which is managed by not acting on everything they feel. So when they're in their healthiest state, the four, they will still feel those emotions, but they understand that they don't have to tell you about them. They don't have to act on them. And they don't need to experience them to the extreme. It's like, you know, a little bit goes a long way when yeah. they're healthy. The average four focuses on exaggerating their uniqueness in an effort to learn to understand and accept themselves. They see themselves as different thinking um, and thinking that they don't have to live the same way as everyone else around them. They want to be wanted by others, but also play hard to get. Yeah, that's that's a kind of weirdness about them is that they want to be a part of the crowd. But they want the crowd to come to them, so, not the other way around. Yeah, so they step away from it and they're like wanting the crowd to come to them. They're they're wanting people to come, and it's not like the three who wants people to come and admire them. The four, they're going to be unique. They're going to be different, and they're going to want people to be around them to enjoy that with them mediocre romantics use art, poetry, music, and writing to create an environment that allows them to prolong their own feelings. Whereas the healthy for they a little goes a long way with the, the average to mediocre, they want to take their feelings and maybe not live them to the extreme, but just extend them. So they know what to do, what to listen to, what to watch, to pull those emotions out of themselves. 
they internalize everything, becoming self-absorbed to the point that their melancholy nature can overwhelm them and cause them to retreat into themselves. Yeah, I can think of a few uh, that I've met that are probably fitting in that. Unhealthy individualists become disillusioned, alienating themselves, and emotionally paralyzed. Their contempt for themselves may lead to self-destructive behavior that combined with emotional breakdown makes them prone to suicide. And that one makes a lot of sense, just as far as, yeah. you know, with the unhealthy four being a area I go into when I'm in a really bad place. I can see how somebody who lives that life all the time just falls off the ledge or yeah. jumps, as it were. At their worst, fours will constantly compare themselves with others, exacerbating their own self-hatred because they're always going to find themselves lacking in that comparison. Well, the healthy fours have learned not to make those comparisons because they know they will not come out on top. And they can't do it for competition either, which is the other thing. It's like it's different when you can go, oh, they've got more than me. I'm going to do better so I get more than them. It's not like that for them. No, it's they've got more than me. There must be something wrong with me is what's going on with them. At the worst, they start to take on the role of the victim, which means that they can become manipulative in their relationships. So it should be kind of obvious by now the other things we've said about the four, but their deadly sin is envy. The most unique type on the Enneagram envies the seeming normalcy of others. Fours tend to be ruled by some form of unspoken shame that they are not the same as everyone else around them. They envy the feelings of happiness and acceptance that they perceive in others. Fours don't exactly want to be different, but they need to be special and unique to fill that missing piece. They despise mediocrity or superficial relationships and people. One of the examples was from Catcher in the Rock. Which I've never read. <laughs> and yeah, the phonies there. And one of the authors of the book is a four. And he talked about how just reading that, it really stood out to him, how the main character just like can't stand the phonies. You know, haven't you seen the um, the South Park episode? Don't think so. Yeah, oh. I think if, if it came out on South Park past about 2008, I didn't see it. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, the the fours, they, they're driven to be authentic. And so they cannot stand superficiality or anything that's inauthentic. Yeah, we definitely had some friends like that in college. The other thing... Uh, is that romantics are at risk of mood-altering drugs, of using them. They have a tendency to abuse alcohol and other depressants and or hallucinogens. They may suffer from an eating disorder or have excessive cosmetic surgery in an attempt to deal with perceived flaws. And as we get older, we're starting to pick some of those out of our social groups, too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now we're going to hit on the wings and things or wings and arrows. Fours with a three wing, four wing three, are known as the aristocrat. The performer influences the individualist to not only be unique, but also be the best at what makes them unique. 
they have a much more competitive nature than the other fours. The image consciousness of the three helps to rein in the four's quirkiness. You know, the aristocrat is much less emotionally intense than other fours. However, their outgoing nature will typically lead to more melodrama. These are the drama queens or the crisis kings, to quote from the book. On a better note, the three's productive influence will push the four wing three to achieve their dreams and make their ideas come to fruition. Whereas the four of themselves will just sit back and go, well, I'll do that when I'm in the mood. Unfortunately, when things do not go their way, aristocrats are prone to more frequent and expansive mood swings. Yeah, I mean, I've known a few like this. The ones that I've known have been more of the bohemian type that we're about to talk about next. Speaking of that, four wing five are the bohemians. The investigator, or the five, fuels the romantic's introspection, creating a more, much, much more introverted person, even wing four. The fours drive to be unique without the social limitations of being extroverted or around people leads to a very unconventional bohemian. Yeah, they're odd. (laughs) The bohemian (laughs) does not need an audience like the aristocrat, which allows them the freedom to be more eccentric, which is sometimes a nicer way to put this. Uh, Due to their time alone, the four wing five doesn't need to address their emotions by talking about them or acting on them. Whereas the other fours, they want to feel emotions intensely, but they also want to talk about them and act on them and interact with them. The bohemian, not so much. They kind of do their own thing without worrying about how it's going to affect others. It's kind of like the dude. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's the best way I can, because I, I know a bunch of people like that where they're just, they're just sort of the flotsam of life, you know, and they're kind of, they're out there and they're not controllable by everything else. I don't know if a good way to put that, but yeah. So getting into the arrows, when they're healthy, the direction of integration for a four points to a one. Now, if you notice something, the one, when they're unhealthy, goes to four. So it's it's an opposite relationship. Right. A healthy four will be more like a one. When moving from the unhealthy, envious emotionality towards discipline and action, fours take on those positive aspects of the one or the perfectionist. Fours moving to one spend less time talking about ideas and what they're going to do, and they start acting on their creativity. And you and I both seen people flip that switch a few times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Healthy romantics have more success in relationships since they don't have to express every emotion they feel. They can keep stuff internal to themselves. More centered, the secure individualist is calm and focused on what is going on in the moment. They don't live in the fantasy of what if or in some kind of romanticized past. They're here and now. Like the one. The one is very here and now direct. Now, on the other side, while I as a two take on the healthy habits of the four, the unhealthy four takes on the unhealthy habits of the two or their direction of disintegration is towards the two. 
under stress, the individualist becomes over-involved and clingy. Unhealthy fours will stop focusing on themselves, pushing their own needs aside, becoming dependent on others to fill them. Yeah, and their authenticity and uniqueness kind of takes a backseat to the need for reassurance and affirmation from those in their circle. You know, they'll come up and they'll go, is it bad when I do this? Because they want the assurance that it's not bad. Yeah, or they will meander on a decision and call you up 10 or 15 times asking your opinion about it because they just want that reassurance that they're making the right choice. The other thing is envy and jealousy come to the front of their emotions as they feel especially empty and fear that what makes them feel whole will be lost forever. So now that we've talked about the fours and who they are, let's talk about interacting with them. Yeah, when you interact with fours, you need to remember that they're motivated to be unique and authentic. They can spot a phony from a mile away. So you've got to be real. Which is hard for threes interacting with fours because threes put on the persona of the group they're around. Right. And a four is going to see through that. Whereas a one is actually probably better off in a lot of those respects because they're like, yeah, you're real, but you're a real jerk. (laughs) (laughs) And it's interesting. I think I talked about this last month with the threes. I told the story about a friend of mine who was like, stop wearing masks. She's a four. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't say it then because I was waiting until this month to talk about that. But yeah, she perceived that I wasn't being fully authentic. And I had to be like, look, it's not a mask. It's who I am. It's just, yeah, I'm not showing you all of me because you're not interested in that. Yeah. You don't want me sitting here talking about American football and hockey and stuff like that because you're not interested. It's an interface, not a base class. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Having a flair for the dramatic, the romantic wants to feel every emotion to the extreme and they want to bring you along for the ride. And you may not want to take that ride. Uh, (laughs) When they're under stress, the four will need extra reassurances and they will tend to pester the people in their lives for it to a large degree. Mm -hmm. Now, fours tend to be drawn to more creative careers. Or to aspects of careers that are more creative, um, I've noticed as well. Yeah. Uh, many of the best actors, musicians, poets, painters, etc., are fours. However, they may find creative roles in other careers, such as therapy, web design, etc. There's creativity in almost everything we do. And a four is going to find that. No matter what job they take on. Though, they are big picture workers. And tend to flounder when they're given a project or task with like too much detail. Yeah. They're not detail oriented at all. And when they're healthy and they can pull, they can rein it in and focus on details. What makes this possible is they need to feel that they are making a difference, that what they do serves some higher purpose, has some bigger meaning than just some mediocre, you know, filing or something like that. As leaders, individualists have an amazing ability to build compatible teams and create a climate of cooperation. However, their feelings and intuition-based leadership style can be really unnerving to more of the data-oriented coworkers. 
I've dealt with a few of these <laughs> and it's, uh, it's entertaining to watch that dynamic. I'll just put it that way. Fours need for their ideas to be heard, especially when working on the team. Now, the idea doesn't have to be implemented, but they need to know that their idea was heard and understood. And they don't always need to be given credit for it. They're not like the three who needs credit for the idea. They just need to know, hey, you understood me or you got the idea that I was trying to bring up. Yeah, you heard where I was coming from. Even if you choose not to go with it. Yeah, just an acknowledgement of, yeah, I I see where you're coming from. We're going to go this other direction. That is a lot of times good enough. Sometimes you have to go a little bit deeper than that. You know, that's kind of an over generalization of a conversation there. Yeah. Speaking of conversations, friendships with fours. Fours tend to prefer friends who can accept their strong emotions and mood swings. They need to be around people who can support them when they're down and celebrate when they're elated. Yeah, the fours I've interacted with, that is one of their common complaints is they're like, you just don't really have a lot of emotion on stuff. It's like, I'm really happy. Great. You know, my friend died. It sucks. Like, I don't hit that at the same (laughs) level they do, and it's difficult to deal with. So you're going to run into that quite a bit. Individualists tend to stand out from the crowd, and they have trouble making friends anyway, and they tend to cling to the ones they are currently around. Fours don't typically have a lot of friends, and they tend to either be outsiders or a bit more outcast. They often find their group among the outcasts. They'll have a strange group of friends because it's just people that didn't fit into any group kind of collectively made their own group and accept one another because they they don't. Yeah. Or not really. They have to, but it's more like people got to fit somewhere. Now, when they're hurt, the force defense strategy is to retreat into themselves. They will isolate even when they want to be around others. When they do come back, they'll want to express their feelings about the situation. So they're going to be want to talk about it um, probably way more than anyone else. Yeah. I've seen a few of those angry stomp-offs, and they come back 30 minutes later, and, <laughs> and it's like, we're going to talk about my feelings. And like, why do you have those? <laughs> uh, Such a one. Such yeah. a one. <laughs> It's, not, it's more of a three thing, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I do have some of those tendencies too, a little bit. So, yeah, the relationships is the tricky one, right? Um, this is the one that uh, makes things a little bit more difficult. When it comes to relationships, fours are high maintenance. They need a lot of attention to overcome feelings of worthlessness. There was a gal I dated after college that was like this. And I mean, it was it was just constant, like needing validation all the time and and you're sitting here going like every time we go guys are looking at you like why do you need (laughs) and it's 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 hard to put in your headspace because that's not where you live and yeah they're very much like that romantics are very intense partners they not only feel their emotions to the extreme but want to pull those around them into that world as well. Though the desire for the most extreme emotional experience can lead them to creating drama unnecessarily for just the experience. So if things are getting a little dull or, you know, just kind of you're, you're falling into a routine, 
they're going to throw in some drama just to get that emotion, especially if they're unhealthy. Now, a healthier four, not so much. Yeah, but an unhealthy one, you can be sitting there, perfectly good day, and all of a sudden, everything explodes. And you have no idea what happened, but what it was is they, from the outside, it looks like they just got bored. <laughs> and and you're like, yeah, but, you know, getting bored doesn't mean that you start a fight, <laughs> you know, like, especially with a stranger. Yeah. It's, uh, when you see that really dysfunctional behavior, it's really hard to deal with. And I think that's probably why the, you know, the one in the four clash there was not, not good, especially you're talking about the intensity, but they also have a sense of unworthiness that leads to a fear of being abandoned. And this causes them to push away their partner to avoid the pain of loss. But when they realize what they've done, they flip to the opposite extreme, pulling them in and becoming clingy and calling constantly and that kind of thing. I could go into (laughs) a lot more detail, but I won't. Being in a relationship with the four requires you to detach without withdrawing. And I got that directly from the book and not get pulled into their internal drama especially when they become intense. You have to be able to kind of like step away from it and still be there for them, but not be in the there with them. Yeah. You got to be a lifeguard, not a swimmer. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is a really interesting dynamic. So guys, fours try on personalities like someone trying on suits in preparation for a big job interview. Because they find something lacking in themselves, they are constantly trying different identities to fill that void. If you are a four, remember that you're more than your feelings. You are able to regulate and stabilize them. Friends, coworkers, and partners of fours can help them by being around them, but not getting pulled into their emotional highs and lows. When able to find this balance, individualists will be able to create and maintain deep, meaningful relationships in all areas of life. Finally, for a four to truly grow, they need to stop putting off work or artistic creative projects until they are in the mood. Set yourself an arbitrary deadline or just go create. We talk about that with the people we're helping out in Developer Launchpad a lot with just code. Like, just go out there and write something, create something, build something. The creative process will help you find balance and pull the intensity of your emotions into something beautiful. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I want to talk a little bit about classification and how we deal with it. Because I know that people are probably noticing this on the episode. Like, you and I have aspects of fours either positive in your case, negative in mine. So they're probably wondering like, why is this so fuzzy? And the thing about it is, is most of the time when you classify something, you're not really locking in on what it is. You're trying to match it to a pattern and you're going to be less or more wrong part of the time. And that's okay. This is really hard for people that are in computer science to do. We want to say an X is an X and a Y is a Y and an X is not a Y and it doesn't really work like that in the real world. Uh, You have to accept that 
real world reality is quite a bit messier than the kind of thinking that we typically do in computer science. You also have to understand that when you interface with other people or you talk to other people, I guess instead of interfacing, that's probably a better way to put it, you have to be able to express things in terms that those people understand versus the categories with bright lines around them that you use in tech. That's why we use parables and metaphors and those kind of things in this podcast is because we understand that we have to have a way to communicate to you to say, here's the fuzzy real world thing that you understand and here's how this applies in tech or vice versa. Because jumping that gap is really hard. But it's something you really, really need to work on if you ever run into a problem with it because that indicates a deficiency that you need to address. Once you do, things get easier. So be really careful about how you categorize things because you can end up basically cramming something into a category that either doesn't go there or end up forcing it into a category that it doesn't belong in. So if you, you know, you deal with a coworker and you're like, oh, they're a four, they're a drama queen and they do all this other stuff. When they're legitimately mad about something, that's how you're going to see them because you put a category on them. So just be careful about that. And that's pretty much all I've got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.